God is so good to us. He's so rich towards us. I'm just thankful for that. He's really generous. He's very, very, very generous with us. I'm grateful for that. <clears throat> um, you know, at the beginning of the year, we talked about um, what we felt like the Lord was calling us to. It was a year of maturity, a year of growing up. And I know you're probably sick of it, but repetition brings revelation. You know, we're, we're trading in our baby bottles for hand grenades. Yeah. Whether you're sick or not, it's okay. We're still there. We're still doing that. We're still going after God in that way. And here we are, we're halfway through the year. We're halfway done. So the question I have is, how are you doing? How are you doing right now? I loved, I hear what Rob said. That's it. For him, that was, that, that's part of his journey of growing up, of maturing. But I want to ask you, are you in the same place you were six months ago? Are you spiritually in that same place? How about emotionally? Are you still in that same place that you were six months ago? Time's not going to wait for us. It's moving forward. And so when God speaks to us, when he directs, when he leads, when he lights away, and we have a responsibility to go where the light is leading us. And so I want to know, how are you doing? Where are you at? Are you skipping the same amount of church as you were six months ago? Financially, how are you doing? Are you doing any better? How's your marriage? Are you still fighting about the same thing you were six months ago? How are your kids? Are they obeying better? Are they a joy to be around for others? Where are you at? Have you done something different than what you were doing six months ago? If not, I hope a heavy conviction is on your heart right now. I hope you're squirming. I hope you're really uncomfortable right now. I know I am. I'm seeking the Lord for my life. What do I need to change, God? What about my attitudes need to change? What's yucky in my heart? That's the wrong question to ask God. <laughs> if you're not serious about him, if you're not serious about your life in God, if you're not serious about being a reflection of the Messiah, and so I've been asking that question and so today what I want to talk about is I want to talk about our heart. And I'm not talking about the muscle that pumps all your blood. You know, I'm talking about the, the seed of your mind and your will and your emotions. You know, we could even probably call it our soul. And I've been doing some studying on my own for my own heart purposes, for my, my own issues. And God has been dealing with me in dreams, like at night. God's been dealing with me in circumstances. He's speaking. 
He's doing his very best to let me know that I need to do some more work on my heart. And so, as I've been studying and searching and seeking help, I'm finding that there are some ugly things in my heart. In fact, I'm learning that there are four really big, nasty emotions that really have power to cripple me. And these emotions that I'm, I'm learning about is they are in, these enormous enemies to me. Now, I know that there's all kinds of negative emotions that we can experience out there, you know? And I know they can harm us, but I think that these four are a really big deal. And they're really messing with most people's joy, most people's success, and most people's fulfillment. And I have a pretty good idea that these issues are affecting my joy <laughs> and my success <laughs> and probably are messing with yours as well. Amen, Amen Apple. Amen, take some notes. But we all know our, our church is in a season of maturing. It's a season of growing up, a season of, of getting out of the nursery and getting into the army, getting into maturity. And so I know that these issues, I know these issues are on God's to-do list for you. They're for me and they're for you. Now, I'm not going to talk about all four, but I do want to talk about one today. And it's a big one. Today, I want to talk about anger. Everybody smile. <laughs> not me, Tom. I'm not an angry person. But before I talk about where anger comes from, I really, I want to just set some context first because I know that the Bible, when we read it, the Bible tells us that God gets angry. God, it's, God gets angry. Jesus got angry at the people in the temple, the money changers, right? Paul even tells us in Ephesians that, that, that we should be angry, but sin not, so I acknowledge that we as humans, as created in the image of God, have been given the capacity for an emotion called anger. It's from heaven. It's legitimate. It's hardwired into our DNA. And I want to say that we should be angry. We should be angry at the killing of unborn babies. We should be angry about children being sold into sex slavery. We should be angry about that. We should be angry about how our families and marriages being destroyed in our nation. We should be angry about that. And that anger can really be useful in motivating us to do something about those problems. But we have to read the whole statement that Paul made when he said, be angry. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. I'm going to read this out of New King James. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Now, here's the deal. Satan would love to take yours and my righteous indignation. That's the word for holy anger. Righteous indignation. Everybody say righteous indignation. 
But here's the thing. Satan would love to take even our righteous indignation and turn it into hate and murder. You know, Paul acknowledges that anger comes and we are allowed to experience that emotion. But here's the deal. We have to deal with it quickly. Say quickly. We have to deal with it quickly or it will move from, from righteous indignation into anger. Sinful anger. So, for all practical purposes today, um, I'm going to come from the, the position that the anger that you feel and express on a daily basis is probably sinful, okay? That's where I'm coming from. I just told you it's okay. Anger is emotion that God gave us. He gets angry. Jesus gets angry. Paul. But I feel like if I don't, if I don't put aside your right to be angry, if I don't just take that just for a moment and remove it, that we're going to miss what God really wants to do in our hearts. I feel like the Holy Spirit said, I just I need to remove this option just for a moment. Because if not, we're going to justify the anger we live in every day. I'm just an angry person. Well, the world's a messed up place, and that's why I'm so angry all the time. Okay, I, I feel you. It is screwed up. But I'm going to take off that, that off our plate for just a minute. I'm going to talk to you as if anger that we're experiencing, especially that which is directed at other people. I'm going to come at it from a sinful angle. Because it's poisoning you like cancer from the inside. So where does anger come from? Well, I believe simply we get angry when we don't get what we want. Say, I get angry when I don't get what I want. I believe that's probably the simplest way. And that's a very important idea that we have to really get in our hearts. Now, you may not agree with that right off the bat, but, but you really, you just need to take it in. Anger is the result of not getting something you one. And you know, what we want, it may include what we desire. You know, we, it, it may include, you can turn the, the scripture off if you want. I'm sorry, that's my OCD. <laughs> you may even want what you deserve. But we get angry when we don't get what we want. Are you with me? I mean, think about a time when you were really angry. Maybe it was on the way to church. Or getting ready for church at home. I mean, think about that just for a moment. When you get really, really mad at someone or angry. Really, I mean, isn't it true that that entire situation, if you just look at it, that entire situation can be reduced to the simple idea that you weren't getting what you wanted. You wanted something and you didn't get it. Everybody go like this. I mean, example, you know, Moms are, are angry with children because children don't give them the compliance they deserve. Right? You're going to make me late to church. You didn't get your clothes on when I told you. Why haven't you eaten already? Why are you angry? Because you didn't get what you wanted. Obedient, compliant children 
made it easy for you to walk out the door on time. What else? You know? Husbands, I'm sure there's some husbands here that are angry with wives because wives don't give them respect. You don't respect me. I deserve respect. When I don't get what I don't have, what I want, I get angry. I believe wives are probably angry with husbands because husbands don't give them the love they deserve. Children are angry with parents because parents aren't giving them the freedom that they deserve. That's not fair. I should be able to stay out till midnight. I'm mad at you. Think about your kids this morning when they didn't get Pop-Tarts for breakfast. They got mad. I want Pop-Tarts. I would like a super sugary snack on my way to church, Mom. You can have a banana. See? Even babies are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> sing, my son, sing. You know, employees, they're angry with their managers or supervisors. Why? Because they didn't get the raise or promotion that I deserve. Been there. They don't appreciate me here. I work so hard. They just gave me 25 cents on the dollar. You know, I think even, even church people are angry at their pastors because they didn't get the acknowledgement or affirmation or attention that they deserve. Pastors are angry with church people because it feels as though they act like spoiled children who live self-absorbed lifestyles. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that's me. I don't feel that way. I'm just saying I talk to pastors from other churches, and they said their people are really selfish. So we'll pray for them. Are you starting to feel even your blood pressure get a little? As I was talking about your husband and your wife and your kids and your job. I was getting angry all over again. So if we were to sum it up, this, this not getting what you were convinced you deserve, we can, we can interpret it like this. You owe me. Everybody say, you owe me. When you don't get something that you were convinced you deserved, then what you're saying is, you owe me. Plain and simple. And so what happens is when we start living out of that place, then cancer of the heart starts to set in. When I live my life telling my spouse, you owe me. When I live my life telling my parents, you owe me. When I live life telling my pastor, you owe me. When I tell my children, you owe me. When you live in that place, cancer of the heart has started to take root. Show me an angry person, and I will show you a hurt person. And I guarantee you that that person is hurt because something has been taken from And so now somebody owes them big time. And we all know people whose anger 
could be verbalized in different ways, you know, like, you took my reputation. You stole my family. You took the best years of my life. You stole my first marriage. You robbed me of purity. You owe me a raise. You owe me a second chance. You owe me your affection. So again, the point is that the root of anger, it is the perception that something has been taken. Something is owed you, and now what's happened is a debt-to-debtor relationship has just been established. And it's easy to believe that the only remedy for our anger is payback. Pay me back. After all, isn't that how you settle a debt? Right? You pay it off. I mean, what other option is there? And if and if there was some way to get around the debt, that's not fair. People have to pay what they owe me. To cancel a debt is to let the guilty person off the hook. So you need to pay. Otherwise, they're just going to turn right around and do it to someone else. They're going to hurt someone. Anybody felt that before? And, you know, here's the irony of it all. In most cases, the uh, perceived debt can actually never be paid. I mean, how do you pay your 25-year-old son back for not being there from the time he was 6 till he was 15? How do you pay that back? You can't. It can't be done. You know, and I said it was an irony, but actually it's a tragedy. It's tragic because people spend so much of their lives trying, waiting, hoping that these debts will get paid, and they never can. That's tragic. See, the opportunity to make things right is long gone. But guess what you still have left? Anger. I'm still mad. I'm still angry. And in a lot of cases, that anger intensifies year after year, and then it spreads. Anger is like a virus. See, is anger... Uh, is, gets lodged in my heart, and, and before long, I start to believe that everyone owes me. Everyone owes me something now. Not just my offender, everybody. I mean, that's why we characterize certain people as being angry people. She's an angry person, or he's an angry person. It seems as though they're angry all the time with just about everybody. It's just the way they live. Angry. And their wrath isn't reserved for anyone special. <laughs> they're equal opportunists. It's never just the offending party that created that wound. Everyone's on the menu. 
It's not reserved for anyone. And the closer we, we get, the closer people get to you as an angry person, it starts to rub off. More than likely, you're going to get dumped on. And when it happens, you find yourself asking, what did I do to deserve that? The answer is, you didn't let them have their way. If I could count how many times. That's all it takes. Now, I know that we've all been a victim of someone's anger. I mean, we've all been on the receiving end. <laughs> I've been the debtor before. But what about you? Are you more than just a victim of someone else's wrath? Could you be an offender as well? If you're not sure maybe what side of the equation you're on, just ask the people you're closest to. Ask your spouse. Ask people in your connect group. Go to work and ask your fellow employees, how are you experiencing me? feedback <laughs> and here's the thing listen when you ask that question when you're talking to family friends or co-workers and you're asking them you know what's your perception of me as a person am I angry what do you think what's going on you know, listen to them on two different levels. Listen. Listen to what they're saying. Oh, well, you know, most of the time you're a pretty happy person. Or, But more importantly, listen to what you're feeling from them. Do they look at you like a deer in headlights when you ask the question? That's fear. I'm about to be killed, executed. I don't, I, what are you doing? Is there a camera somewhere? Are you setting me up here? You've never in your whole life asked me about this. Why today? You're angry, are you angry at someone else? What's going on? But listen, listen to what they're saying, but listen to what you're feeling as they give you that honest feedback. When you start to hear, Dad, yeah, I am scared a little. Sometimes I feel like you're really angry at me, and I don't know why sometimes. Chances are those words are going to hit your heart pretty hard. They're going to stir you up. And that's when our hearts are get stirred. That's when we need to be most aware of what's going on. So here are some signs that you might have a problem. If while your friend or family member who treads out on what they perceive to be very thin ice, if they start to tread out on that thin ice and as they're talking and you feel a volcano starting to erupt, you might. If while they're making their case, you feel compelled to interrupt them and defend, I mean, explain yourself, then that ought to tell you something. If you find yourself just wanting to like walk away and maybe run away when they start sharing that feedback, pay attention to that emotion. If you find yourself getting angry at your friend for answering a question you ask them, <laughs> chances are 
you might have a problem. Somewhere in your heart, anger has lodged itself. But listen, I don't want you to be discouraged. Because what ha- what, 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 if you'll do that, then you're going to be making a very helpful discovery. A discovery that could set you on your way towards a healthy heart. Because here's the thing. Anger, anger gains strength from secrecy. As long as you keep it hidden, it has a lot of power. When it doesn't ever, you don't ever bring it to the light, then it's a strong emotion in your life. Anger thrives in darkness. And I know exposing it is painful, but it can also be very powerful at the same time. And to be honest, if you discover that you're carrying a heart full of anger, it's probably not going to come as a surprise to those who love you most. I mean, they've known you for a very long time. And chances are they've they've probably been praying for you. That one day you would wake up and that you'd see for yourself that dad doesn't have to be an angry guy. Mom doesn't have to yell at me to get her away. I don't have to yell at my employees to get them motivated. I don't have to threaten to get my way. Now, I know we've all got a story to tell. You know, and maybe you've never even told your story. If you haven't, why not? Why haven't you told your story? Get it out in the open. I mean, people are bumping up against your anger anyway. Yet you've never explained where all that negative energy is coming from. Why? I think it goes back to kind of what I said earlier. These enemies of our heart, they can't withstand the light of exposure. For you to tell your story would be be like dragging it out into the light. Here's why. And most of us know that if we bring it out into the open, then, then it would start to lose its potency. Which means now you would probably might lose an argument, an excuse to stay angry. So let's let the light shine on it. Or maybe you're the opposite. Maybe you're the kind of person who tells your story every time you get a chance. (laughs) Have I told you why I'm mad today? (laughs) Is it the same as yesterday? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Got it. You know, every time you get a chance. And I get it. You want to be understood. (laughs) Who doesn't? Who doesn't want to be understood? And... Quite honestly, we like the sympathy. Feels good. Someone agree with our anger. And you've learned that people are willing to cut you some more slack once they learn that your life has been so tragic. You know that your story explains your propensity to overreact. To say things that you later regret. To punish people whenever you get the chance. Or to lash out at someone who falls short of your expectations. I mean, your story, when you tell it, it accounts for your temper, 
your moodiness, your unpredictable reactions. Man, it's a huge scapegoat. But let's be honest. From your perspective, your story probably doesn't just explain your behavior. It justifies it. It's a built-in excuse for everything you or others you don't like about you. It's your crutch. I mean, you don't know how to act or react the way you should. But, but rather than do anything about it, you just fall back on my story. Here's why. Did you know how bad life has been for me? I mean, after all, anybody who was raised the way you were faced the same hardships that you faced and lived with the kind of rejection and neglect that you experienced. I mean, was abandoned like you were. Someone like that has every reason. In fact, they have every right to be angry. And that's true, you know. You've... You have every right to be the way you are. But do you really want to stay that way? So here's a question every person who's dealing with anger needs to consider. How long are you going to allow other people to control your life? How long are you going to allow people who may not even be in your life, maybe even not alive, how long are you going to let them control your life? Seriously, get out your calendar. Pick a date. Pick a date. Now, I know that sounds like silly and ridiculous, but... You know, what's ridiculous is to continue to allow people who have hurt you to influence your current and future relationships. That is crazy. It's silly. In fact, it's not just silly, it's sad. Now, I understand that that question can be frustrating, and it's, you know... It's simply because we don't believe we don't have any choice in the matter. How do I choose not to be angry, Tom? I didn't choose to be abused. And while it's true that you can't undo what's been done to you, it's equally true that you don't have to let the past control your now. So before you can get free from your anger, you have to decide that you can be free. You got to believe that. You got to believe I actually can live my life without anger. And then when you believe that, then you've got to quit using your story as an excuse. You know, the problem is, is that good excuses rarely collect dust. And we use them and use them and use them and use them. You don't expect too much from me. Did you see how bad my life is? See how rough I have it? You've got to decide to get rid of your crutches. Now, Remember, your story, it, it, it explains your behavior, but here's the thing. It doesn't excuse it. And until you're willing to embrace this very simple but annoying truth, you will never flush the anger from that hidden place in your heart. Besides justifying your behavior by reciting your story, just gives ongoing power to the 
people who have already hurt you. So why do you want to give them that kind of leverage in your lives? Why do you want your drug-addicted brother or sister to have that kind of leverage in your life? Your absent father, your neglectful mother, Now, there is an appropriate way to use your story. It's not as an excuse, but as a testimony to God's ability to free you from the past. You see, when you allow God access to that part of your heart that harbors the anger, then something unbelievable happens. Something amazing starts to transpire. Your story is no longer going to explain your behavior. It's going to stand in stark contrast to it. You know, you probably know someone who always seems to have it all together. Someone who moves through this world with confidence and grace and a quiet power, maybe. Maybe you assumed that that person, you know, just had an unsullied past, you know, grew up in a healthy family and, you know, had all the opportunities, no, no bumps along the way. And then you hear their story. And it's almost unbelievable. You find yourself thinking, how could someone who grew up in that kind of painful environment turn out to be so great you see that's what happens that's what happens when a person quits using their story to justify their behavior stops using their story to justify their anger and instead allows God to come in and do some heart surgery You know, maybe you see your anger as an asset, maybe like an ally or something. You know, you've learned to leverage it in certain situations in order to get your way, you know, or as you like to put it, get things accomplished. (laughs) Nothing runs at my house unless I'm yelling. I just know how to motivate people. You know how to scare the pants off them. You believe your anger makes you strong. You remember the movie, Star Wars, and the evil empire's talking to Anakin, and he goes, your anger makes you strong. It gives you focus. Makes you a more effective disciplinarian. Maybe you're a more successful coach. You know, what great coach doesn't yell at their players? Drop an F-bomb here or there, you know, just to get him going. Bunch of sissies, get out there on that court. You know, and I, I realize that probably your anger does give you energy at times, but feels like a powerful ally in some situations but it doesn't really make you more effective or successful. It certainly doesn't make you stronger. In fact, the people who are forced to interact with you see it as a weakness, a sickness. And so anger ends up alienating us from other people. It alienates us from our children, our spouses, our friends, our co-workers. More times than we care to admit, the shrapnel from our anger pierces those who are most close to us. Loved ones who are 
really just innocent and clueless as to what caused us to detonate in their presence. A heart with anger is a heart looking to be paid back. And unfortunately, in most cases, it's our unsuspecting friends and family who have to make payment. So I, I want to ask you this question. Who from your past, who from your past, or maybe even right now in your current relationships, who are you angry at? Who have you determined owes you something? Who is not giving you what you want? I want you to make a real list. That's your assignment this week. Who owes you? Who are you angry at? Who has a debt that you're forcing them to pay? Next week, I'm going to talk about how to get rid of that. Why don't you stand with me for a moment? Well, I know I whack the bee's nest, I smack the hornet's nest, I kicked the dog, I took a pacifier from your crying baby, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. So, I hope you're angry. I hope you're feeling that, because you've got to figure that out. Because this is the work that God wants to do in our hearts. So I want you this week to make that list. Write it down. Who are you always having imaginary conversations with? Man, that's my deal. I can tell you who I'm mad. It's the person I've been talking to for six days straight. And they never even knew it. That's how I know. Let's just pray. Father, I'm just going to ask that you show us, Lord, not for condemnation purposes, but because you're calling us up. You are, you are gathering sons and daughters. And this kingdom is a kingdom that's full of joy, God. But so many of us are angry. We are hurting and we're mad. We're mad at ourselves. We're mad at our children. We're mad at each other. this kingdom is a kingdom of joy in the Holy Spirit, God. So it's time, Lord, to come to this people. Come to our hearts today, God. Come to our hearts this week. Show us. Speak to us. Reveal to us, God. Who are we angry at? Who owes me? Who, who has a debt that I'm trying to get paid back? Help us, God, to see and then give us strength, God, to bring it to the light. Give us strength, God, to bring it to the light. Because you've come to heal us. You've come to save us. You've come to deliver us. And so I ask, God, that the work begin now. Maybe it's a governmental system that didn't treat you right. Maybe it's Obama. Whoever. God, show us who we're angry at. I pray, Lord, that revelation come. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. Come, come, come. And help our hearts as we navigate this week, God. 
Show us the way, God. We need light. Oh, God, we need grace. We need mercy. And your mercies are new every day, Father. So we just accept that right now. This isn't about condemnation. This is about conviction because change is coming. I'm not staying here. I'm not going to be defined by being an angry person. Conviction says it's wrong. Move forward. So we're going to say it's wrong and we're moving forward. Thank you, God, for the work you're doing in our lives. Thank you for the work you're doing in my life, God. I want the anger out. Save me, God, all over again. We love you, Father. We bless you, Jesus. Oh, we need you, Holy Spirit. Be with us as we go this week. Keep your presence near, God, and help us to be mindful of when you're near. We thank you, God. We bless you. In Jesus' name. We're going to have the altar team come up. If you are in a crisis moment right now, you're feeling something from the Lord, you would like some prayer, come over and receive prayer from them. If you'd like to spend some alone time with the Lord, feel free to come over here to the right side of the stage and go before God. God bless you. Next week, we're going to talk about how to get rid of anger.